Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com, and I am your host. Each week, we learn the story behind that vanity plate. You know, the one you saw driving down the road? What did it say? What did it mean? Why did they choose it? This week, we meet Sarah Beth Yamielkowski and learn the story behind her license plate, Boof. Sarah Beth is currently a specialist in digital licensing operations for BMI in Nashville, Tennessee. She and her identical twin come to Nashville by way of Virginia Beach, Virginia, where most of their family still lives. We talk about lots of stuff, including music, music licensing for podcasters and vloggers, Toastmasters, dogs, family, and more. I know you'll love getting to know Sarah Beth. So let's go chat with her and hear her plate story. Welcome to this week's episode. We are here with Sarah Beth Yamielkowski from Nashville, Tennessee. Her license plate is Boof. So let's jump into that story. Welcome, Sarah Beth. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. So that's quite a unique license plate, Boof, B-O-O-F. I just love the sound of it, Boof. I, I mean, I just want to say it over and over, but I will refrain myself. Why don't you tell us the story behind it? So when I was uh, three years old, my little brother was born. And due to my name being Sarah Beth, that's quite long. So my mom and dad would shorten it to call me Beth or Bethy or the ever dreaded Sarah, which I have a cousin who's six months younger than me, and her name is Sarah. So people do shorten it to Sarah, but it is definitely not Sarah. It's Sarah Beth. And as my brother started talking and he heard my parents saying Beth or Bethy, he pronounced it, pronounced it Boof or Boofy. So it just kind of stuck. I was always just Boof growing up or Boofy. Yeah. And I hated it at first because Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out why he couldn't figure out how to say my name. It's not that hard. And he used to tease me all the time uh, when he started to be able to talk better. And he'd just be like, Sarah Boof. Mm. And eventually it just stuck to everybody calling me Boof. So Uh, is that what people call you now that know you real well? Yes. So if you're in my inner circle or my Uh family, um, I'm Boof or Boofy. I love it. I, I never, my name rarely gets used <laughs> in the house. Anytime my brother had a girlfriend, I was always introduced as his sister, Boof. Uh-huh. And people would stare at him and like, uh, okay. Or I had a roommate <laughs> in college who introduced me to his grandma as Boofy. And his grandmother goes, well, what's the name her parents gave her? And he honestly forgot what oh my, my gosh. name was. So he just looked over kind of and goes, uh, Boofy. And I was like, well, that is true. My parents, that's what my parents call me. However, and then I introduced my real name. That's so funny. My sister has two kids and they're really close in age. So when her daughter, who's just turned three, was born, her son, who's four and a half or so, uh, he had a lot of trouble with her name. Her name is Annabelle. So Annabelle, like Sarah Beth, is a mouthful. Right. And he started calling her Abba. Aw. Which I think is just so adorable. That is adorable. I know, but he's getting better at it and he's correcting it. That's the thing about these adorable things kids come up with because they can't quite do the language is they tend to grow out of it. So I do love that you got to keep yours. (laughs) (laughs) Not my brother. And my my sister, I have a twin, and her name is Jessie. And just for the hell of it, her middle name is Anne. So when he wants to annoy her, he just calls her Anne. 
Oh, she yeah. Hates it. She doesn't get a cool nickname like me. That's too bad. You got lucky in that department. So she's a twin. Are you guys identical? We are indeed identical. And did you do anything to mess with people growing up or could they kind of tell the difference? Um, we tried. There's a few times in school <laughs> where we switched. Usually one of us would end up blowing it by looking up when they called ah. a name or something. Uh, it was, <laughs> yeah, we, and now uh, she has shorter hair than I do. So it's kind of easier to tell us apart, but we're so still roommates. Um, oh, wow. We out to Nashville. So. That's awesome. So you guys stayed very close your whole lives. Yes as twins tend to do. Right. That's awesome. And it sounds like you're pretty close to your family. I am. Yeah. It's nice. Unfortunately, we don't live, um, they're back home in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, All of them, my mom, dad, little brother, his wife, and then their two daughters. Wow. I don't get to see them as much, but like I said, my sister followed me out here about a year after I moved out. Awesome. So you at least have her with you. I, I do, which is nice. Yeah. So what brought you to Nashville? I got a job uh, in the music industry with a performing rights organization called BMI. Mm-hmm. My degree is actually in music business. I came out to Tennessee the first time for college. I went to a local school here, Middle Tennessee State University, got my degree in music business. Couldn't get a job right away in the industry. It's, it's really tough, but a job yeah. up a few years ago and I jumped on that opportunity and moved back out to Tennessee. That's awesome. So you do licensing. I do. And then I think unless you're in the licensing business or you've gotten licensed music, it's very mysterious. So can you explain a little bit? (laughs) It is. And even when you're in the industry and using licensed music, sometimes you don't always understand licensing, (laughs) especially because I work in digital licensing, which is a whole nother level of complication than licensing for uh, in-person events. So I work in, we're performance licensing. So that's when a business is using music in a public setting, they are required to get a license to do so. So that's your bars, your hotels, your concert halls, pretty much anywhere you go where music is being used. Even your local governments uh, have a license to use music in like city parks. A lot of people don't know about. Everybody has a music license. Well, moving into the digital realm now, there's the performance licenses needed when you use a song on the internet, but there's also other licenses involved like sync licensing, which is anytime you put music to video. And then there's the mechanical licensing, which comes from that actual sound recording, which those rights are held by the record labels or sometimes the artists themselves. Whereas public performance licensing, we represent the underlying composition, which is the songwriters, composers, and publishers. Wow, that is complicated. (laughs) It, It is, it is. Now, are you also a musician as well? Or did you always do the administrative side? So I started as a musician and a singer at age seven in church choir, and I developed my love of music to the end and just knew that I never wanted to do anything else Mm. but play music. So I did marching band, drum corps, symphonic band, jazz band, any band in middle school, high school, throughout college, you name it, I joined it. And I just, now I just play for fun. I don't do any kind of bands. So what do you play? I play seven different instruments. Okay. I play tenor sax, bass clarinet, uh, mallet percussion, drums, uh, trumpet, well, more mellophone, which is the marching French horn, mm-hmm. and then uh, a little bit of fiddle and mandolin thrown in there. That's awesome. Wow, you are yeah. quite the musician. Our ADHD couldn't choose which one to stick <laughs> with, so I had to venture to every section. 
That's great. I actually have very musical people in my family. In fact, my uncle um, was the band director for his high school. And my cousin's now the band director for his and also plays in symphonies, including he's a sub for Broadway. Oh, wow. um, his kids are both professional musicians. One's a flautist. The other one is a viola player. Uh, my other cousin was on Broadway. She's a singer. So lots of music in my family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Um, do you have a favorite instrument that you play? Um. It'd probably be the tenor sax, or I do like uh, getting up and playing the drums every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I basically learned drums, drums because my little brother is an amazing drummer. And I mean, like, the dude should be playing in bands, but he chose Family Life, which I don't blame him. Um, <laughs> he's, he actually, when I moved out of my parents' house, turned my bedroom into a music studio complete with foamed off walls and his drum set and all recording equipment. Wow. Yeah. So I basically just started to learn drums because I couldn't let him play something that I didn't uh -huh. <laughs> be good at it. So it's, wow. it's always fun to play a set. I don't get a chance too much because, you know, the drums are back home in Virginia, mm -hmm. my, my brother. But. Well, Nashville is such a musical city. Do you ever get to perform? Do you ever go out to like open mics or have you become part of any kind of band? I haven't. I've been asked a few times to do some things. I just, I just haven't done it yet. I'll probably once, you know, Corona ends and things open back up is maybe something that I pursue. Yeah. I haven't yet. Absolutely. Um, well, it's available for sure where you are. It, it definitely is. And I do like going out and seeing gigs and live music. I'm just not one to go up and play myself at the moment. Yeah. A friend of mine has been in Nashville for years. He's a guitar player and musician and he's in the circuit and another friend just moved to Nashville. She's been a singer for years in New York City and just relocated. Nice. Makes me wonder if she did that because of COVID or some other reason. <laughs> right. Or just Nashville's a lot nicer than New York. Um, I, I did uh, some internships up in New York City and I lived in LA for a couple of years. And uh -huh. I have to tell you, Nashville is the place to be. Wow. If you really want to make it in the music industry and be around good people. Mm -hmm. you know, not that everybody in New York and LA are bad people, but no, of course there's, it's, you know, when we're on the phone with other industry people and they tell us, you know, oh, we just love dealing with the Nashville branch. Everybody in Nashville is just, it's just a different atmosphere. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah. And how about your sister that moved with you, your twin, Jesse? Mm -hmm. Jesse. Yep. Um, so does she also have any musical inclinations like you and your brother? She does. She was in band with me the whole time. She plays, uh, she's the reason why I learned the brass instruments. So okay. <laughs> she's trumpet player, mellophone, uh, baritone horn. And so just because she could play them, I needed to learn to. So that's I'm pretty starting much. to see a pattern here. <laughs> I have a, a very competitive side and I can't ah, let my siblings okay. be better than I am at anything. So, so if they know it, I have to know it. But that's so great she, she does that those instruments okay that's, that's pretty much it yeah learn everything like I did mm -hmm. um so where does your competitive side show up do you bring that to the office as well oh definitely um I'm also in a public speaking group called Toastmasters oh sure actually, Toastmasters I'm, I'm the president now of our Toastmasters branch with BMI we actually have our own corporate branch which is awesome nice. 
So anytime I get a chance to get up and do table topics, um, I'm, I'm going to win. <laughs> That's great. I have to tell you, I've been a speaker my whole life. I always considered myself a very good speaker. And my mom had joined Toastmasters and she raved about it. I'm like, I don't need that. I already know how to speak. I don't, I don't have fear of speaking. I can talk very well on stage. I don't have filler words. You know, I don't need all that stuff. Right. But a friend that had been in a local chapter for years and just kept inviting me and kept inviting me and kept inviting me. And finally I said, okay, you're having an open house. You're speaking. I'll be there to support you. And they got to the table topics and I was terrified mm -hmm. to speak on a topic that I didn't have any pre-planning right. knowledge or time to prep. Right. So we'll, we'll just like make sure people who don't have Toastmasters background. Right. So table topics is the off the cuff speech. They pick a topic. Uh, you don't know what it is in advance. Right. You speak for one to two minutes and you, it's volunteer. Anybody who wants to participate can go. And what I noticed was I was just like holding my hand down, like sitting on my hands. Mm -hmm. And I realized if I am going to call myself a proficient speaker, and this is something I'm unwilling to do, there's something I can get out of being in Toastmasters. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I heard about it. Uh, one of my bosses, actually the boss that hired me at BMI back when I was in the customer relations department, she was in Toastmasters. And I was just asking for better ways to, you know, improve in the company because she was also my direct manager. So I had yep. all my performance reviews with her uh -huh. and she suggested, well, you, you know, just come join Toastmasters or at least come to our open house. And I told my dad about it. He's like, oh my God, do it. He's like, that's going to be amazing on a resume. Yeah. It's great for your, you know, personal development and professional development. Mm -hmm. He's like, and that's going to help you go far in life. I became a board member. Sergeant in Arms, and then uh, VP of Membership. And then this year, I was just elected president of our chapter. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, the, t the table topics made such a huge difference for me. It's why I joined Toastmasters. And then I got to learn how to evaluate, to do evaluations mm -hmm. for people. And th the cool thing is, you know, a lot of uh, companies have corporate clubs, clubs, but there's also community clubs. Right. So if you just go to the Toast Inter uh, Toastmasters International website, you can find a club in your area if you're interested in just, you know, attending one. And yes, that's what I did. Now, we were talking before about your family, and I, you had told me before when we spoke that they have license plates too. You're quite the vanity plate family. We are the vanity plate family, <laughs> and it's so funny because my dad was never really into them. Like when um, I grew up, my dad worked for the Navy, so we were in Connecticut, and we never had vanity plates, were never interested. And then when he retired and we all settled down in Virginia Beach, we all just kind of went license plate happy. <laughs> so every single one of us has a vanity plate now. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, do you have any advice for people that are either podcasters, YouTubers, creating content when it comes to finding music? I'm on a bunch of different groups and they're always asking like, where do I find music? How do I license music? How do I find music that's not needing to be licensed? Being somebody inside the industry, what's your advice on that? If you wanna go the route of not having to pay for any licensing fees, um, you're gonna to wanna to use your YouTubes, your Spotify, your Apple Music, and just host your content there. As those 
platforms already have performance licensing with BMI and at least ASCAP. There are two other performing rights organizations in the United States. Those are GMR and CSAC. And I'm pretty sure they have similar deals. However, those are privately owned companies. So they can kind of do whatever they want. Whereas BMI and ASCAP, we are uh, bound by a consent decree from the Department of Justice. So all of our rates are already set. Uh, we have to have, uh, we have to license all like businesses the same. So everything there is kind of, if ASCAP's doing it or if BMI's doing it, the other one's doing it as well. Um, another thing is there's these great things called production libraries. And what they do is they have deals with us on the back end, but they actually go out and license all the music themselves from the songwriters so that the user doesn't have to. You'll pay like a $5 fee for this one track and it comes with all the licensing. So that's another way to go about doing it. There's also a company called Sound Exchange, which is if you're gonna be using audio for like an online radio station, they get all the master rights clearances for you for those mechanical licenses. And there's also the Harry Fox Agency and their program Rumblefish, which does a lot of clearances as well. So that you as the individual user don't have to seek out those individual licenses. You can go to those services and they do a blanket license for you, which a blanket licensing is all encompassing everything in their catalog. And that's what, how BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, and GMR, we do blanket licenses. So you don't license an individual song from us. Your licensing fee covers everything in our catalog. Oh, that's handy. Now, I also know you have a furry friend somewhere around. So we have to his, talk about that. His name is Babu. He's uh -huh. a three-year-old German Shepherd. Nice. He was a rescue. So he did not have the greatest start to life. But he's a great dog now, and we're working on a few of his little, he, he likes to mouth. He can get a little mouthy and gnaw on people. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're working on. Yeah. Hasn't severely injured anybody, thank God, but he's not, it's not a good habit to have. No. So but he's but very loyal. He was wild. When I first got him, I mean, I was constantly scratched, chewed on. Um, and I didn't think I was going to be able to keep him, but mm -hmm. I just saw something in his eyes and I was like, you know, this dog deserves a, you know, no one's going to be able to give him the love and a home that, that he deserves like I could. Yeah. Thanks for so. taking a chance and being patient with him. What do you think made the difference that had him finally come around? I think just showing him constant love and explain, you know, letting him know that I'm not going anywhere. You can chew on me all day, yeah. you know, and, and bite and scratch and. I'm still going to give you kisses and hugs and mm -hmm. I still want you to come cuddle with me because when I first got him, he would not come near you. Yeah. Stay Do you know anything break. about his background? I know a little bit. Um, I know that he was bought, it, it was a divorced family and the dad bought it for the kid who lived with the mom and the mom at first when he's a cute puppy, you know, he's, he's a 80 something pound German shepherd and he's, yeah. He's large even for a German Shepherd. He's a big boy. He was yeah. definitely not the runt of the litter. Right. And so it's a cute puppy at first, but once he starts getting nippy and bitey and just German Shepherds are very high energy, especially when they're younger mm -hmm. and they would just, you know, eventually lock him in a closet to keep him away. And yeah, I just, it wasn't a good start for him. So like I said, when I first got him, he would not cuddle. He would not sit with you. You couldn't get him on the couch. You had to like pick him up and try to hold him and then it'd be all you know, wild, but eventually I just broke him down and just kept, like I said, showing him love. And now he's laying on the floor next to me. <laughs> so. mm. Now he Aww. sleeps with mommy every night and be on the couch. And if mommy's not home, he does love auntie, but 
not like mommy. It's not the same. It's not the same. Even though yeah. we are twins, he knows the difference. He knows the difference. You he cannot knows... fool a dog. <laughs> no, he knows it. He knows the difference between mommy and auntie. Yeah. And he's very much a mommy's boy. And luckily yeah. I work from home right now because our office is closed. Mm-hmm. And so he's with me 24 seven. Yay. This has been so much fun. It has. Yeah, I really enjoy learning about your plate story and what you do for a living. And I'm, I think I failed the uh, music licensing course, but I really That's... tried really hard. <laughs> so so many people do. Copy... <laughs> I tried my way through copyright law for two semesters. Oh my so gosh. It is well, it's been super fun. Easy. Do you have a question you'd like to ask me before we wrap up? I do. So I know that you are close with your family as well. Um, so what is your favorite childhood memory with your sister? So that's a trick answer because mm. I was an only child until I was 13. Oh, and that's a so, change. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have like super young, young childhood memories. Mm -hmm. But one thing I'll tell you is I have two sisters. They're both half sisters, which, and they're actually not related to each other. Oh, that's even more... <laughs> That makes it even more I mean, fun. Right, exactly. Um, but what I'm really proud of, and this is what I'll share, is that I'm really close to both of them, even though there's a huge age difference. So there's 13 years difference with my one sister and 19 and a half, 20 years difference with my other sister. Wow. Um, and so I got to be the unconditional love, older, wiser sibling. Mm -hmm. Definitely didn't try to take over a parent role. Right. You know, I didn't try and fight my parents for authority in any way, but I kind of got to be the one they could come to, to talk about anything mm -hmm. and have an unconditional supportive BFF sister nice. to talk to no mm -hmm. matter what. And they knew that they could tell me anything that's and that's awesome. true for both of them. And so even though I didn't get to grow up with them, mm -hmm. I feel like I got to really positively impact both of their growing up mm -hmm. because of my um, commitment to being part of their life, not just as a sister, but right. as a wise sister. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So you get to be like the fun aunt, but you're also the sister. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's awesome. It's a good combo. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I made sure they got, you know, Easter baskets when I was in college and they were young. Mm -hmm. And um, I made sure that they got care packages when they were in college, you know, just like fun things that you can do when there's a big age difference. Yeah, yeah. that's that's awesome. I yeah. Would not know what being an only child is like. <laughs> no, I didn't even get my own egg. I split from the same egg. So I didn't even Who get that. Who was born first? Who's older? So technically she is. Okay. However, that's because that was a C-section and they pulled her out first. Okay, However, so had it been natural, I was in line to be the firstborn. Has she been cutting in front of you all your life? No, you can <laughs> definitely tell that I was meant to be the older sibling. Really? You know, I went away to school the first year. She stayed home. She went to college, but it was a local school versus I moved to, out to Tennessee. Um, and she followed me out the, the next year. Um, so I'm kind of the leader of the family. Okay. And then my siblings kind of follow suit. I so love it. I was naturally supposed to be born first and you can tell. However, <laughs> however, I do let her fight my battles for me. 
So if I, there's just an argument, I'm just more kind of laid back. And mm. if there's something I need to be, you know, have taken care of and I need kind of a stronger person, I'm just like, what would Jesse do? Okay. And I channel Jesse or nice. I just have her do it. <laughs> <laughs> it must be wonderful to have somebody um, that you're so close with like having a twin like that. My niece and nephew are going to be like that because they're so close in age. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I, I feel really happy for them. Like when my niece isn't around, my nephew who's older, mm -hmm. he's always wondering like, where is she? Why is she yeah. missing? And that's, and that's going to be my nieces too because they're less than two years apart. Yeah. So. I, I guess my nephew was with my mother, um, you know, his Nana recently. Mm -hmm. And they were eating something that he thought was delicious. And he was like, I'm sorry. I'm sad that Annabelle can't Ooh. have it too. Like, I wish she was here so she could enjoy it too. I'm like, oh that's, my oh my God, that's He's so poor something, you know? Oh my, oh, that's, I mean, amazing. That's, that's so so I definitely am envious of having a sibling growing up. I would have mm -hmm. loved to not be an only child growing up. But now that I have two amazing sisters, totally made up for it. Right. right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Any last words before we wrap up? Don't really have any. I just do want to uh, give a shout out to yeah. my uh, idol, childhood idol growing up, um, which is how, how I got connected with you. Her name's Jessica. She was my choir director when I was yes. seven. And she really, she's the reason that I fell in love with music as much as I did. Oh choir. gosh, we have to talk about her. Okay, yes. so yes. you and I were connected by Jessica Dugas, who has the Breakthrough Show podcast and, yes. Yes. and the Project Joy podcast. I was actually a guest on both, and that's how we met, was that I was a guest on her podcast, and I adore Jessica. She's amazing. Oh my gosh, she was literally my idol. I was about, when I joined choir, I was seven. And she was about 16 or 17 mm -hmm. and she was our director and she played the piano for the choir. And I just, I, she was my idol. Mm. I just loved spending time with her, hanging out with her. You know, when what we, was it about we, her that you liked? So I just, her person, she just has such a welcoming personality and yeah, she does. just, just you know, pulled me right in. And, you know, I was really shy. You probably cannot tell this now, but when I was a little kid, I was super shy. Mm. And she just got my sister and I to open up and I just loved everything about her, wanted to be her, uh, wanted to be just like her. So she's the reason <laughs> I learned to play the clarinet because that's yeah. what she played. And just, you know, every, every she was everything when I was seven. That's <laughs> she was everything awesome. I wanted to be. So she I really, love that she had such a huge impact on your did. whole life. She's, my whole life. She literally shaped every, you know, everything I am today with my love of music was due to her. And That's I, great. I have let her know that. Um, and I just, you know, I'm thankful for her pretty much every day. That's wonderful. And we, we met in Connecticut when I was living there. Mm -hmm. She was too. Neither one of us live in Connecticut nor really have any time. Family, you know, our families aren't from there. Mm -hmm. So don't really have ties to Connecticut. So, but you got to say thank goodness for social media. That's one wonderful yes. thing about social media. Yes, I, and that's how I I sent her a letter. I believe it was through Facebook, just letting her know, you know, how much she meant to me. And we reconnected, and it's been nice. Those important people in your life that make such an impact 
And it's wonderful when you can keep them in your life over yes, your whole life. Definitely. Definitely yeah. is a great thing to do. And I, I don't know if you saw my, my little guy was just here for a second. He was. Oh, camera. I didn't. Uh, Bubba, come here. Come here, Bubba. I call him Bubba. Hey, buddy. Hi, Bubs. Gotta have a cameo from the yes. dog. Hi, Bubba. <laughs> so he just watches out the window every day. Oh, what a cutie. He's beautiful. He is gorgeous that's another thing too i just couldn't let him he was just too cute to let go we got him <laughs> when got he was that about tall german shepherd height yes. going he's a big boy i got him when he was about 11 months old and oh. he's he was tall and lanky and he's filled out a bit now yeah but he is he's my constant companion i'm glad Yay. i'm glad i have him i got him about four months after i moved to tennessee oh wow um, so it was nice especially when my roommate was a helicopter pilot Oh, but wow. out a lot. So I was home alone and it was nice just to have someone there. Mm -hmm. um, and now he's living with his girlfriend. We, I bought a house, he bought a house. We all split ways, but you know, now I have my sister, but I still have my bubba's. Yes. So. Good boy. He's such a good boy. Believe me, if I could do a podcast where I interview dogs all day, I would do it. It's been so much fun getting to know you, Sarah Beth. Thanks so much for being on. Maybe we will get to meet your twin once she has a, her own vanity plate. Yes, definitely when she gets her own plate, when she finally decides what it is, because it's going to be a big decision. So I know. There's going to be a plate story behind it. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah Beth, so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too, Trista. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. Please subscribe to Trista's Plate Story Podcast to get the story behind all those vanity plates driving with you on the road. And if you would like to nominate the owner of a license plate, including you, or visit any of our partners and sponsors, come and see us at platestory.com. That's P-L number eight story.com and give us the details. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a review and give us a share. I'm Trista Polo wishing you well on the road to your next adventure.